And welcome everybody to another SU Oddities. Uh, this one's kind of a fun one. Again, you know, we, uh, as we go forward in mankind and evolve, you know, we find out, uh, you know, no matter what happens as human beings, we're full of uh, tricks and deception and, you know, that never changes. It's just the errors and maybe the tools or the technology behind what those tricks and deceptions may be. Um, something fascinating for me is the turn of the century seances, the, this whole medium ships and these mediums, the Fox sisters, um, just fascinating how it completely took over uh, the United States, really, and a lot of the other countries um, that were just fascinated by mediums and spirit guides and how much they uh, vetted into it that they didn't really pay attention to the tricks and trivia around it. And so this is just some of the little tricks that mediums use back in the day, again, turn of the century, to fool their, you know, whatever you want to call it, their, their believers uh, that wanted so bad to either talk to somebody they loved that had perished or just uh, got suckered into this weird mysticism about what, uh, what spirits actually were and what mediums uh, did. So anyway, hope you enjoy. So mediums claimed uh, they could describe the items in a locked box. This is a very popular one here. Uh, this trick was so deceptive and convincing, it fooled Sir Arthur Cannon Doyle, which many of you, I'm sure you know, he was author of the Sherlock Holmes series. Um, not only did Doyle wrote, uh, write the actual famed detective story, but he was also a renowned paranormal investigator uh, of his time, and he actually believed that his wife Jean was a medium herself. Um, but I digress on that. So for this act, each participant of the seance was instructed to bring a small personal object with them, which they placed in a concealed box that was locked. The medium would then reveal what each item was down to the last detail without ever opening the box. When Sir Arthur Cannon Doyle was in the audience for one of these performances, the medium announced that Doyle had put a ring that belonged to his own deceased son in the box, and she was even able to recite the inscription on the ring. So the question is, how did the medium do it? The audience believed they were watching the box the entire time while the medium was divining, quote-unquote. The assistant dressed as a specter, moving about in the dark and amping up the drama for the spectators that were watching. At some point at that time, the assistant switched the original box containing the items with an exact replica of the box. That same assistant then went backstage and listed the items via wireless radio in the medium's ear. Um, why? Here's another thing. While technology was relatively new, Personal wireless radios were invented in 1896, so they did exist in 1925, just very rudimentary uh, when the seances took place. And again, this is more of the high-end uh, mediums and seances that would pull that uh, with the technology at the time. Um, another one was photography. This was huge back in the day. So the birth of the spiritualism movement happened around the same time that photography was invented. So it's no coincidence that the mediums used photography to prove their connection to the paranormal world. Photography was used to capture levitating tables, ectoplasm, and ghosts. God, I love that word, ectoplasm. Since photography was such a new art form, people were unaware of how it worked, and that manipulating the photographs was possible. This gave Karn artists advantage when it came to fabricating spiritual photographs, quote-unquote. Often, photographers would use double exposure to make a ghostly image appear in a photograph. Other photographers would cut and reassemble the negatives to form an entirely new image, complete with the disembodied heads and figures like 
you know, many examples you see with ectoplasm come out of the mouth and a family behind someone, you know, we, we've all seen the pictures. Um, one of the most famous spiritualist photographers, William Mummerier, uh, made a fortune creating photographs in post-Civil War America, many times attempting to create photographs of people's lost loved ones who died in the war. Although Mummerier was exposed as a fraud, stories still marvel over some of the haunting photographs because he was really that good. Um, absolutely crazy. Another one here, uh, spirit rapping, which uh, not not just a song, just saying. Uh, spirit rapping is a phenomenon of ghostly communication through the knocks on walls or furniture. One could ask if a spirit was present with a knock to confirm or even recite the alphabet, matching the knock to a letter to spell out messages to excited attendees that are watching the show. When it came to spirit rappers, there are no greater performers than the Fox Sisters, which I mentioned in the very beginning. World-renowned mediums who made their fortune through a complicated set of rapping techniques. The sisters, Kate, Maggie, and Leah, would perform their seances in a room of their house in Hydesville, New York, where they had set up a system of apples tied to strings to make thumping sounds on the floor, ceiling, and walls. And actually, they had more tricks than that. It was kind of amazing how popular this, these three sisters got and how long they uh, they did it. Um, just a man talk about bamboozled ah crazy you know eventually they graduated to the manipulation of their own joints to make cracking and popping noises the sisters were at the forefront of the spiritualist movement of the 18th and 19th centuries for decades this movement had an estimated 8 million americans who declared themselves believers eventually their ruse fell apart when the sisters began to argue Kate delved deeper and more authentically into spiritualism, while Maggie denounced the entire movement, even staged in a performance where she revealed all of their rapping tricks and blaming Leah for convincing her sisters to carry on with the con throughout the years. Uh, again, decades of, uh, of that, which is cr- fucking crazy. Next, we have spirit trumpets. Again, I'm sure you all have heard of these. It's pretty may. I don't know why they picked this, but anyway. Um, Spirit trumpets were long cones that would mysteriously float about the room and amplify the voice of spirits during a seance. This mysterious instrument was usually used in tandem with a manifestation cabinet. Once a meeting was inside the cabinet, they had access to a tube that was connected to the trumpet. They could whisper into the tube, which would amplify the seemingly disembodied voices into the crowd. The trumpet would move around via a system of cords and wires operated by assistants backstage. This would create the effect of a disembodied voice floating about and speaking through a trumpet. Having the lights dim throughout the performance is essential for the trick to work, and it also adds the ambiance as a whole. And man, I would love to get a hold of one of these things. I know there's some some still coming around. Every now and again, you find them in, in history. Uh, it would be amazing to get a hold of one of those. Crazy. So later in the spiritualism game, you know, of course, all this other bells and whistles they got, uh, mediums felt that they needed to prove themselves since so many famous mediums had been exposed as frauds. Oh, fucking go figure, right? They would take on tests of physical endurance to prove their intense connection with the other side. Many endured fire tests by holding hot coals or passing their hands through fire. They accomplished this with a recipe for fire retardant material they wore on their gloves, which, according to the 1903 book, Mysteries of the Seance and Tricks and Traps of Bogus Mediums by Edward D. Lunt. This consisted of camphor gum, scotch whiskey, quicksilver, and liquid storax. They also used trick photography to add to it at times. And uh, there was one famous one. She was an artist called Eva Carrere um, to actually make it look like they're actually holding electric shock or on fire. Um, pretty crazy with <laughs> the, the gains they made for these things. And then, of course, next, you know, we talk about table, table tapping, floating tables, things like that. 
So, you know, picture this. Imagine a casual Friday night seance when suddenly the table begins to levitate. This will both scare the shit out of you and the participants <laughs> watching it happen and definitely probably make new believers back in the day of the paranormal. This was a common occurrence of Victorian spiritual seances, but there weren't usually any ghosts behind it. Car and artist mediums had a plethora of tricks for making tables move and float during a seance. Some were as simple as using a kitchen knife in your sleeve to slip into a particularly lightweight table's drawer to lift it. Although this seemed a bit dangerous, more advanced grifters built tools just for lifting tables during seances, including wrist cuffs with hooks concealed under the sleeves or a hook strapped to a belt concealed under a vest. The fact that seances always took place in the dark helped tricks like these convince attendees they were experiencing paranormal activity, of course. And, of course, here we go here. Ectoplasm was a buzzword at the height of the spiritualist movement of the Victorian era. Actually, it, it honestly was. And a little side note, too, you know, ectoplasm probably rings a bell from Ghostbusters and all that shit. Um, well, that's where Dan Aykroyd took it. In fact, his da- his grandfather um, was a dentist slash medium. Uh, and so he was well aware of the history of the spiritualists uh, and actually took the word ectoplasm and wrote it into the script for Ghostbusters. For a little fun fact, but anyway, it was not just off the movie. It's been around for a bit. Um, it described any of the many substances that would materialize from the orifices of a medium during a seance while they were channeling a spirit. The mysterious substance was believed to take the form of the spirit the medium was channeling, sometimes showing elusive imagery of humans, forms, or faces. Swindler spiritualists would fake the appearance of ectoplasm, often telling the audience members it would kill the medium if any of them attempted to touch the substance. That, combined with the fact that the seances were being performed in absolute darkness, made it very easy for the mediums to fabricate the mysterious phenomena. Each medium had their own special blend of tools, and they called ectoplasm, uh, but most commonly it was a dish rag, cotton, or muslin. Um, some took it a step further and used long gloves filled with stuffing to reach out and tap audience members, or an ectoplasm baby, I shit you not, that would appear from a female medium skirt. Uh, Martha Berard was the most famous medium using ectoplasm of the day. She would often incorporate faces into her gauzy ectoplasm cut from newspapers. She was exposed as a fraud when seance attendees spotted celebrities and politicians they had seen in the morning paper, such as Woodrow Wilson. Uh, Barad was eventually exposed so many times, she changed her identity completely and became known as Eva Carrere, which we covered earlier. She then fell in love with a fellow medium, Juliet Bison, and they would work together, conjuring ectoplasm to impress crowds of Victorians. Some historians say that Barad, Carrere, and Bison used their sexual chemistry to their advantage, yeah, sh- duh, to further sway their male audience into believing their powers as mediums. So, and lastly, um, this was another famous one here. Spirit slates were chalkboards that seance participants used to write messages to those on the other side. The medium would conceal the chalkboard in a paper bag or a box, and when it was pulled back out, the original message would be replaced with a response, seemingly written by a ghost, allegedly. This was typically done with two completely blank blackboard slates. Uh, the trick was to conceal an extra board the medium had already written on before the seance was sleight of hand and in some more advanced models, triggers and magnets, depending on how good they were, uh, the concealed pre-written message would appear when the slate was pulled out of the bag, seemingly written by a ghost. Some mediums had board with a thin wire that would go between them with a tiny nub of chalk attached. This way they could write messages on the fly during the seance by moving the wire discreetly. Spirit slates are still sold as magic tricks to this day. 
Um, and there you go. You know, that was a lot of what they did like back in the day. And I will digress to a little bit. I do want to say, you know, I'm not trying to, <laughs> yes, back in the, the spirits and the mediums, uh, complete hack jobs, complete hack jobs. And many to this day say that it really never is an existing thing. Although we did have uh, somebody that was on the show actually wrote a book called the left hand. I want to say, uh, I can dig it up if you guys are interested, but fascinating. She actually spent a uh, almost entire summer at a, uh, old, been around since the turn of the century. Uh, I want to say upper New England or Maine area um, where spiritualists gather every year. Again, some of them you can say are hacks, but they're, they're a little bit in the thing that really truly believe they can reach other side and really truly talk to ghosts and spirits and uh, help the living with their grief. Um, amazing book, uh, amazing way she wrote it and, and spent time to talk to these people. So I personally am not going to say that, you know, I don't believe in mediums, but you know, 98.9% of the time. Yeah. It's all fucking hooey booey. Um, you know, just another way to trick people to get money because after all money's what makes the world go around. So that was fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it and uh, stay strange.